Hey, this is April, also known as a Soul Coach. This is the seventh episode. Hey, you guys. So this episode is all about depression. Normally, when I do my podcasts, you know, I'm just starting out. So there's a lot of things that I know I need to work on. But I always have an itinerary of the things that I want to do. I have a notepad and I kind of go through my notepad as I'm talking But this week has been so crazy, you know, with the hurricane that came, Gordon, and my whole schedule was just blown off. Oh, just crazy because my son was out of school literally for like five days. And I just didn't know and I was unmotivated and I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to talk about this week. So what I did is I just took a break. Normally my podcast comes out on Friday. But it's Saturday afternoon and I'm just not recording it. And I'm okay with that. Because sometimes you just got to take that break that you need. Um, And also with everything that's going on in social media. With the fight between Cardi B and Nicki. With Mac Miller. You know, with his drug overdose. Which is a, a lot spiritually that... You know, I deal with, I'm an empath, so I on, not only do I feel people's emotions that's near me, but I also feel people's emotions abroad. And I can feel the collective emotions when it is in a particular subject. And I want to really just talk about depression and share my story and just kind of leave it open for you guys to to listen to different things that I've been through and also to understand that everyone suffers from depression it is not something that um, people really want to discuss out loud because some people feel like if they're depressed they, they keep it to themselves instead of sharing it with their family or friends or somebody close to them they just keep it to to themselves and that is harmful in a lot of ways And we all go through that. Uh, Some triggers pulls depression, uh, deaths in a family, relationships, friends that's betrayed you, things like that. You get different triggers. So this podcast episode is all about depression and how I've tried to cope with it. I'm not a therapist by any means. Uh, I am a coach and I can only coach you so far. But if you really feel as if you need more help and and you really just can't get it together spiritually, then you definitely need to reach out. And I'm going to give out the suicide number at the end of the podcast. So let's get started. So let me tell you the story of my, I want to say the biggest bout of depression that I had is back in 2011. I found out I was pregnant in January, the end of January, uh, on a Thursday. And then that Friday, we were going to go tell my parents that I was expecting, which they would have been super excited because they didn't want me to have a kid forever. So, 
uh, that Friday, my mom calls me and she said, your dad's in the hospital. I was like, oh, what happened to him? And he's never sick, like ever, never sick, never in the hospital. And she said, it doesn't look good. He had a heart attack. And I was like, what? So I get to the hospital and as soon as I walked in the room, I knew, I already knew, right? So I told my mom in the hospital that I was pregnant and she just kind of looked and it was just so much to overwhelm her at that time. And so the entire weekend passed and my mom was a mess and I called the family and the doctors were like, hold on, you know, miracles happen every day and so forth and so on. And then that Sunday night or Monday morning, it was Monday morning, February 1st, I'll never forget. And the doctor came in and said, your father's been dead since Friday and I don't understand why they kept him on life support. We're going to pull him off the life support because he, he was brain dead when he got here on Friday. And I just was, my heart crushed in a thousand pieces because before the Christmas before, I didn't go see my family because I was mad at them. (laughs) I was mad at them about something that I don't even really remember what it was, but I didn't go see them for Christmas. And I remember seeing my father for Thanksgiving But I didn't go see them for Christmas. So the last time I saw my father was Thanksgiving. And here it is in February. And and so there was a lot of guilt that came with him dying. And me just being in my feelings about something that was so small. So I got the funeral funeral arrangements done. Called a veteran because he was a veteran. And just got everything together, got the life insurance, just everything was just taken care of. And I really didn't have a time to grieve because I had to be strong for my mother, my family, and I'm pregnant at the same time. (laughs) So I was trying to keep my stress level very low and try to stay calm. I, um... It was a lot going on, and I needed to take my time and be gentle with myself, and I wasn't. I had the super cape on, like, I can do it, all is good, no matter what. So in the between time, me and my son's father was getting a home, found a home, moving, doing all this stuff after I settled my mom down a little bit. Had my son in August, he was... Four, three and a half weeks uh, premature. And so I, I had preeclampsia, which I was really sick. And um, they had to do an emergency C-section. It was a lot going on. Like I said, it was so much going on in uh, 2011. And then after that, after I had my son, it was just like my job transferred me to Baton Rouge. So I was commuting every day. It was just one thing after the other after the other until I found my relief in a bottom of a bottle when I say a bottom of a bottle I would buy the extra large Ciroc bottles and be done with them in a day I was never drunk on the job 
But the second I got off, that's what I did. I continued to drink. I drank and drank and drank and drank because I didn't realize that not only was I depressed from my father dying and it was guilt, but I also had postpartum depression. And I didn't realize or recognize that that's what was going on until a year or two later. So as I'm spiraling out of control, in a new job, in a new position, in this new house, commuting back and forth, have this new baby, my mom's losing her mind, all this was on my shoulders and I literally was like I had no outlet. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to talk to. I wasn't as spiritual grounded as I am now. Like I prayed to God, but I was like, he ain't listening to me right now because he took my dad away from me. My dad was only 60 years old. I didn't understand any of the things that was going on in my life at that point. So what I did is I just drunk myself. I was drunk every time I got off of work. On my days off, I was drunk. On the weekends, I was drunk. I, I, that was my relief. So when people drink, do drugs, gamble, sex, do all these things, it's because they're looking for some kind of relief and some kind of coping mechanism for their pain. Because the pain runs so deep that you're looking for some kind of outlet. And I couldn't even put into words my heartbreak. So I just did what any other person would do is drink or find something else and numb the pain. So let's talk about how things change for me. So how in the world did I pull myself out of this depression? The depression was so overwhelming that I thought that it was going to take me to my grave. And I didn't see a way out of it, like I said. Well, one night I was out drinking having a ball. I was on Frenchman Street in New Orleans and I was at one of my favorite clubs, bars, the Blue Now. And I walked in and I was really drunk. And I don't even remember who I was with. And there was this guy standing over there, you know, listening to music by itself. And I never walk up to guys. I don't have to. (laughs) So I just walked up to him and I was like, who are you? Oh, I was with my friend Lynn. Yeah, I was with my friend Lynn. I walked up to him and I said, who are you? And he was like, I'm Ephraim. Who are you? I said, I'm April. He said, want to go outside? I said, yeah, let's go outside on the balcony. And I was just drawn to him. And then I was in his face and I was like, just talking. And then he was talking to me. And then he walked over to my friend Lynn and Lynn looking at this, looking at me like, why are you talking to this guy? Like, what is wrong with you? And I'm sitting there by myself talking to someone else. And he gets up to talk to her. And as he's standing there, he's looking at me, reading me to my friend Lynn, who's also intuitive. And she's like, he was over there just telling me all about who you are. And she's like, he was reading you and you were reading him. And it was like insane. And then after that, like, 
we left and I never seen him again. Like we didn't exchange numbers because it wasn't that kind of connection. It was different. Well, another night that I got off, you know, I went to happy hours, happy hour somewhere and I was drinking and then like I walked back down to that same bar but down that street and the spirit was telling me to go there you're going to see him again and I was like okay so I'd walk down the street and I walked back up the street and I didn't see him and I was saying to myself he's not here and spirit's like be patient and I'm still new in my gifts in 2011 but they're not as amplified as they are now but I knew spirit was talking to me so when I went back out there, like I went up the street again, he was standing right there with a group of people and I walked up to him and I said, I was told that you were going to be here. And at that moment, he paid attention to me and he looked at me and he's taller than me. He looked down at me and he was like, really? <laughs> and then we just started talking and then it was like a connection like no other and it wasn't romantic, it wasn't sexual, it wasn't anything like that. It was just like God placed him in my life for me to get my shit together. And he was a vessel for spirit that I could listen to because I wasn't listening to anybody else. And with that being said, him and I went on this journey because I was going through the dark night of the soul and I didn't know I was going through the dark night of the soul. And spiritually, the dark night of the soul is when spirit brings you down to your rock bottom so you can build you up. And that's where I was. And he was a vessel for spirit to get to me. And if it wasn't for him being open in a medium and and being open to spirit and to tell me the way he told me, because I'm a Leo and I'm extremely stubborn, he told me exactly how I needed to hear it in order for me to understand it and that is how I started pulling myself out of my depression because he was no nonsense you better get this now sister or or else or you won't be here and it was a matter of fact are you going to take control of your life are you going to let somebody uh, let lower entities take control of you because that's what they're doing figure it out and in that moment in this journey that we went on which was a few months he really worked on me and and taught me a lot of things about myself and that's why I have so much respect for him and I know that I've done that with people and he told me he's like what I'm doing for you you're gonna do for a lot of other people he said because I see that But right now, you've got to get yourself together. And that was something that, man, I look back at that and it's just like, I'm so blessed that that happened. Because so many people don't have that. And so many people don't listen. And so many people don't pay attention to when God is speaking to you. Or spirit or universe or source. Whatever you want to say. Is speaking to you and trying to teach you. And trying to show you like look. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. The gambling. The drugs. The sex. All that stuff. 
is numbing you and pulling you into low energies and low entities where you're not being your high, you're not on your higher self and you're not on your path. And it's designed that way because the strongest people have the strongest battles. When you know that your life is going to be expanded and you're going to reach millions, you have the hardest, the hardest hardships. Because the devil knows, lower energy knows that we cannot let that person succeed because that person is going to wake up so many other people. And that is ultimately for me when it comes to depression, what that means. And it's designed to pull you down and it's designed to take away your hope and your dreams and your life so you don't accomplish the things that you're supposed to. Because there's people that's waiting for you to be in your higher self so you can help them and pull them up. And Ephraim was that for me. He was a vessel from spirit. I'm forever grateful for him. And I am thankful. Now, let's talk about the steps after I got the message from spirit through Ephraim. Well, after that, uh, the few months that he really was working on me, he told me that he had a dream about me. And in that dream, there was this monster and this evil entity that was in me. And, uh, and he said that when he saw me, he didn't see me. He seen this disfigured entity that was taking over me. When he told me that, it shook me. And I was like, man, like, if you understand energy and low vibrations and low vibrational people and entities that do take over your body and, and, ha- and pull the energy pulls you into doing things you don't need to be doing and creating a life that you don't want that's when you have to ground yourself and be at peace and pull in light and like I said before the people with the biggest jobs and the biggest influence always have the biggest demons (laughs) and and you wonder like why do I have to struggle so much because my purpose is bigger than the average person right and after that, Spirit's like, well, I have to I have to bring you down a little bit more. <laughs> I'm not done with you. So what happened is my relationship fell apart with my son's father um, because I was a mess. And, and I'm not going to put all the blame on myself. It was mutual. Like, it, we just didn't, it didn't work towards the end. After uh, our relationship fell apart, he moved out of the house. Um... Then my job, like I got sick, I had to have surgery, and I was just done. I hated my job. And I I left on medical leave and never went back. And I didn't even think about consequences at that point because I was, like, making a crazy salary. And I had, like, 401K. I had savings. Like, I had money set aside. So I just really wasn't worried about it, and I just didn't care. Because I was like, I have to change every aspect of my life and I have to do that now. And that was 
2014. So this was several years, like, you know, I didn't meet Ephraim until 2012 or 13, like that or whatever. And so anyway, so I moved out of the house, moved back home with my mom, with this little baby. And, and I had to sit still and I had to decide what it is that I wanted to do. And I had already had an event planning business in uh, 2009 that I just, you know, it failed. And so I was like, well, I definitely want my own business. And, and that's what happened in 2014. I took the rest of the year off, enjoyed Christmas, enjoyed the holidays with my mom. And the beginning of January, 2015 is when I launched my life coaching business. And I get emotional about it because it was like that. I had to go through those things in order to birth this. And I've gotten off track here and there. And I've had successes and then I've had failures. But that's all about being an entrepreneur. You think you're going to own your own business and it's supposed to be a cakewalk? Then you don't need to own your own business. (laughs) You don't need to do it. Don't do it. Because it's hard. It's hard and it's a lot of work. And... You have setbacks, but it's all designed that way so you can be better and bigger. But anyway, so I went back to school, like I stated before, and uh, in a previous episode, I went back to school, I did all these things, and I started feeding my soul and my spirit and to be a better mother to my son and to be a better person and a better individual. And then when I got it, spirit tested me again. And then I failed <laughs> because I started doing the same thing I was doing before. I started drinking and partying and doing this and doing that. And it was just like, okay, you're not learning your lesson. You're supposed to be doing this over here, not that over there. You need to figure it out and find what your balance is. Are you going to fall back into depression? And that's exactly what I did. I fell right back into depression. And like I said, um, before November of 2017 is when I just went ghost from everybody. I needed to do that to get myself back together because I got off track and, and I fell in depression again. And I'm like, man, why do I keep falling? Because nobody on this planet is perfect. And we sit up here and we act as if. We have all the answers and we don't and we don't ask for help and we don't do the things we're supposed to do. But then we look around at other people like and point the fingers and we project our anger on the other people and our problems on the other people. And we have to stop that shit. We need to have personal accountability for ourselves. And that in that comes strength. Hold yourself accountable for the things that you need to do. And, and that's what happened. And that's why I'm so strong right now because the end of last year pushed me again. And now I'm like, I'm in my power. I'm rocking and rolling. I feel good. I'm a different person. I'm a different woman. I'm a different mother. I'm a different friend. I'm a different woman because I'm in my power and, and I'm forever grateful. But when you are in depression, You don't see a light. You don't see anything. 
And that in itself is so hard. And it's so important that you reach out to people and your your closest friend and don't be embarrassed. And the strongest friends that's out there that you have are the ones that have the biggest battles. You need to check in on them because everybody just assumed that I was okay because I'm the strongest and I wasn't. I was not okay. I was not okay for a long time and nobody checked on me. <laughs> nobody checked in on me at all. They were like, oh, April, she's got it. She run multi-million dollar companies. She got it. No, I didn't. I didn't have it. I was crawling on the ground and nobody was there. I pulled myself up off the ground and I got it. And I did it for my son. Because if it wasn't for him, I don't know where I would be. I'm forever grateful for him because he he is the reason that I get up and push so hard to do what I love, which is to pull people out of the darkness and into the light and let them know how powerful they are. So let's talk about what's next. All right, so I want to tell you about my friend Tracy. Tracy and I were friends for a long time, and we were really close. And a lot of people don't know how close we were because we're both from Mississippi, and we relocated to Louisiana. He's a quarterback at Tulane University, and he graduated. And uh, I was just out and about, and he saw my car. He saw my tags on my car, and it was from Mississippi. And we instantly became friends. And we shared a lot. I would go over his house and cook, vice versa. I like screen his girlfriends for him. Like he'll screen my boyfriends. Like it was just a good relationship, and I loved him to pieces. And he inspired me a lot. And he is one of the ones that planted the seed into creating your own business. And he had a nonprofit business that he was doing with kids in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. And him and I, like, if I didn't have any money, I would be like, Tracy, I'm running a little low, and vice versa. We just had a really good relationship. The Christmas before my father died, Tracy killed himself. And on Christmas Day, um, in the house with his family present. And that was devastating because I didn't know that he was in pain. And I haven't talked to Tracy in a while, but the last time I saw Tracy, it was at the movies. And I saw him and he and I knew that he had been sick. But, like, he looked fine. Like, I talked to him. I hugged him and asked him, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, sure, you know. And that was it. Like, that was it. <laughs> and uh, and I, I just never thought that I would never see him again. At the funeral, you know, I sat in the back. Because, like I said, like, he's from a different part of Mississippi than I'm from. 
and we didn't have a lot of the uh, mutual friends, uh, but we did know some of the same people. And I'm sitting in the back of the church and I'm devastated and I'm crying like a baby because nobody knew how close him and I were. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I didn't understand it. And I was angry at him. Like we do. Like why would you kill yourself? Like why would you do that? And I understand why. I get it. Because you feel like there's no hope. And when you feel like there's no hope. You feel like that's the only alternate. And I have another friend of mine a few months ago I spoke with. And he's not just a friend. He's somebody that I, I, I'm i in love with. Like, I, I love him. And I always will love him. And we're not together um, anymore. But, like, he told me about a video he saw on Facebook. And I'm not on Facebook. I don't even like Facebook. And he said, a guy jumped off the bridge and survived. And he said the second that the guy jumped off the bridge, he realized it was a mistake. The second he jumped off the bridge. And when that happened, I was like, that would be you. If you jumped off the bridge, you would survive. And we started laughing. And then he got emotional. And he said he doesn't want to be a burden to anybody else because of the things that he's got going on in his life. And to see that perspective and to hear that perspective was crushing to me because this is a man that I love that is lost and didn't see a way out at that point in his life. And there's so many people that's like that. I was like that. And I'm just grateful that I listened in the way God jolted me out of it but not everybody has that so when you are checking in on your friends make sure you're checking in on everybody like I said before check in on your strong friends check in on everybody And take the time to, when you're down, take the time to to call and let someone know. If I would have called one person when I was in depression and said, hey, I just need a shoulder to cry on. I know that they would have been there for me. But I held it in because of my pride. And pride will kill you faster than a bullet. Don't let pride kill you. Literally, if you ever think that you want to commit suicide or your depression is so bad that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, call this number 1-800-273-8255. There's therapists there. There's people there to talk to you. One of the things that I know when I was in depression is that I felt alone and I felt like there was nobody there to help me and there was nobody there that cared and there was nobody there 
And that's what low energies want you to believe. It's just like fear. Like, it's a fear that nobody's going to be there for you. It's a fear that you're alone. And that's just not reality. And that's low energies overtaking your energy, making you feel that way. And it's just not true. It's an illusion. So I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart. I love you. You guys can pull through this depression. If you need to reach out to me, definitely. Soul1, S-O-L-E, 1, O-N-E, at mail.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know how you feel. I'll call you. I'm not a therapist. I will shoot you in the right direction. But a lot of times, if you're going through depression, it's a spiritual war. And that spiritual war is within you. In your thought process. So let's wrap this episode up. In closing, I didn't want this podcast to be sad or doom and gloom. I just wanted to share my story about my battles with depression. And how I've pulled myself out of it. Everybody goes through different levels of depression. Uh, I think that seeing a therapist definitely helps. Going to your doctor uh, helps. Um, get the tools and the things that you need to, to feel better about yourself. You're never alone, even if you feel like you are. If you, there's people, you have spiritual guides that are next to you that you don't see or feel. Some of you guys feel them. Some of you guys don't. But you have guardian angels that are there that's guiding you. You have ancestors that have passed that is around you. And low entities know that. And and this truly is a battle. And when you have that understanding that it's a spiritual battle within yourself. And you are more powerful than the dark energies. And you will overcome. Focus on things that you love and you are grateful for in this life focus on that and not the things that you don't have but the things you do have there's a few affirmations that I want to close with because I think affirmations are very important but before we close I want to give you that suicide hotline number again it's 1-800-273-8255 24 hours a day 7 days a week Call anytime and talk to somebody. Reach out to somebody if you ever feel like the depression is getting to a point that you no longer want to be in this 3D. So there's about four affirmations that I think that has helped me as I had climbed out of my depression. Number one, if you are alive, you are capable of anything and nothing is impossible. You are here for a purpose and a reason and once you find that you go after that with with all of your might do not stop past go you go after it you know that you are here for a reason because you are alive number two i am enough you are enough and it and do not pay attention to social media or people and the things that they have going around you. You focus on yourself and know that you are enough. Number three, I create happiness by appreciating the little things. 
the smallest things I appreciate now. I never did before. I absolutely love going outside in the yard and planting my feet in the grass. That to me is a little thing that brings me so much happiness because it's grounding myself in the earth. Find out what those little things are to you and it'll bring you so much happiness and focus on that. Number four, I am safe. You are safe. Every trial and tribulation that you have been through is only making you stronger and helping you build your armor and shield for the next battle that you go into. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all the feedback. You know, to go to my website, soulonservices.com, soulservices.com. Reach me by, by email if you have any questions, soul1 at mail.com. Thank you.